the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, we talked briefly about how we got the Old Testament. How do we get our New Testament? Well, the writers of the New Testament books were either themselves eyewitnesses of the events recorded, or they were those who gathered eyewitness testimony concerning them. They were either the apostles or the apostles' co-workers. Did you know that? Well, most of you probably did, but some of you may not have. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And Pastor Leighton Sheely is taking us through a two-part series entitled Doctrines, Those Foundational Understandings That Have Come Down to Us Through the Millennia uh, About What Scripture Has to Say, Those Things That Are Fundamental to Our Faith. And we begin our broadcast today with the doctrinal statement from Church of the Highlands. We believe that the entire Bible is the inspired Word of God and that men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the very words of Scripture. The Bible is therefore without error in its original manuscripts. God has supernaturally preserved the Bible and it is the sole and final authority for faith and life, providing encouragement, guidance, comfort and instruction for training in righteousness. Now, to better understand our statement, let's uh, briefly look at each clause. It begins with the words, we believe that the entire Bible is the inspired Word of God. The word entire there is an important word because it means we don't just pick and choose what we believe is the Word of God. You know, some people, they, they, they discount parts of the Bible as the Word of God because they disagree or don't like those parts of the Bible. At Church of the Highlands, we don't pick and choose our favorite parts of the Bible and consider only those as the Word of God. To add or subtract from God's words would be to prevent people from obeying Him fully. For commands that were subtracted would not be known to the people, and words that were added might require extra things of people that God had not commanded. So Moses warned the people of Israel, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Deuteronomy 4.2 So a precise determination of the canon of Scripture is of the utmost importance. If we're going to trust and obey God's word, we must absolutely know that what we are obeying is God's word. Now, scholars speak of the Old Testament and the New Testament as belonging to the canon of Scripture. The word canon is from a Greek word that refers to the reed or cane or stick that is used as a measuring rod. So the canon is the measuring rod or the standard that's used to judge a work's inspiration, authenticity, and veracity. The 66 books included in our Bible have met the requirements or canon for inclusion. Our Old Testament is identical to the Jewish scriptures called the Law and the Prophets. Oftentimes Jesus talks about the Law and the Prophets. He's talking about the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. And although it's identical in content, the order and numbering of the content differs between Jewish and non-Jewish versions of the Old Testament. 
Jesus affirmed the canon of the Old Testament. He never disavowed or disagreed with the writings of the Old Testament. He did, however, disagree with some of the oral traditions, the commentaries on interpretation and application that had been handed down by the rabbis in Israel. According to Wayne Grudem, the earliest Christian list of Old Testament books that exist today is by Melito, the Bishop of Sardis, writing about A.D. 170. He wrote, When I came to the east and reached the place where these things were preached and done, and learned accurately the books of the Old Testament, I set down the facts and sent them to you. These are their names. Five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua the son of Nun, Judges, Ruth, four books of the kingdoms, uh, of kingdoms, two books of Chronicles, the Psalms of David, the Proverbs of Solomon and his wisdom, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Songs, Job, the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, the twelve in a single book, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Ezra. Now, some Bibles have additional Old Testament books. So where did those books come from? Well, around the 4th century A.D., Jerome was the first to name this group of literature the Apocrypha. The word Apocrypha comes from a Greek word meaning hidden or concealed. These books were added to the Old Testament by the Roman Catholic Church, not the Eastern Orthodox Church or the Protestant Church, but just the Roman Catholic Church in A.D. 1546 at the Council of Trent. That is more than a thousand years after the canon had already been established. The acceptance of certain books in the Apocrypha by the Roman Catholic Church was seen to, to some extent, a reaction to the Protestant Reformation that was rapidly expanding because by canonizing the scriptures, they legitimized their references to them in supporting doctrinal matters such as prayers for the dead and justification by faith plus works not just faith alone. Unger's Bible Dictionary cites several reasons for excluding them from the canon. First off, Jesus and the New Testament writers never once quote from the Apocrypha, although there are hundreds of quotes and references to almost all of the other books of the Old Testament. In other words, Jesus and his disciples completely ignored the books of the Apocrypha. Many of the church fathers, the early church fathers, spoke out against them. Uh, Apocrypha, such as Origen, Cyril of Jerusalem, and Athanasius. Jerome, who uh, translated the Bible into the Latin Vulgate, rejected the Apocrypha of the, as canon and said they were not books of the canon. Josephus, a Jewish historian, explicitly excluded the Apocrypha in his numbering of the books of the Old Testament. And he doesn't quote them as being uh, of Scripture. Philo, an Alexandrian Jewish philosopher that was a contemporary of Jesus, quoted the Old Testament prolifically, but he never quoted from the Apocrypha as inspired. In the Apocrypha there are numerous historical and geographical inaccuracy. It teaches doctrines that foster practices that are in variance with inspired scripture. It lacks the distinctive elements of divine, divine, uh, genuine scripture, uh, such as its divine character and prophetic power. In other words, for these and many other reasons, the Apocrypha is not included in most translations, most versions of the Holy Bible. Now, we talked briefly about how we got the Old Testament. How do we get our New Testament? How do we get the 27 books of the New Testament? How are these books selected? Well, the writers of the New Testament books were either themselves eyewitnesses of the events recorded, or they were those who gathered eyewitness testimony concerning them. 
They were either the apostles or the apostles' co-workers. Uh, it is primarily the apostles who were given the ability by the Holy Spirit to recall accurately the words and deeds of Jesus and interpret them rightly for the benefit of subsequent generations. The apostle John wrote in 1 John, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. There are four Gospels describing the life and ministry of Jesus. Matthew and John were both eyewitnesses and apostles who wrote the Gospels who bear their name. Mark, the second Gospel, was a student of the Apostle Peter, who was an eyewitness. And Luke was a student of the Apostle Paul, who you remember met the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord, on the road to Damascus. In 2 Peter 3.16, Peter, the Apostle Peter, classifies Paul's epistles with other scriptures. He says, So also our beloved brother Paul wrote to you concerning the wisdom given him, speaking of this as he does in all his letters. Now there are some things in them that are hard to understand. We all know that there are some things in Paul's writings that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other scriptures. And so the Apostle Peter endorses the writings of the Apostle Paul as Scripture. Luke, who joined with the Apostle Paul in in his missionary travels, was a highly educated doctor and historian writing a carefully researched report to a Roman government official named the Honorable Theophilus. The title Honorable was a title that was reserved for a very, very high-ranking Roman official. And Luke's account, gospel account, begins, Many of us have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who, from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. At the time of this writing, there was a great cost to becoming a believer. And particularly so for someone who was in the service of the Roman emperor. Because the Roman emperor considered himself to be God. And so it's easy to deduce that Theophilus had asked for or assigned Luke to diligently research and confirm the stories that he had heard. The stories that were circulating about Jesus. And in his two books, Luke wrote nearly a third of the content of the New Testament. Luke and Acts. Now one should expect that when God invades his creation, the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry are beyond natural. They are supernatural. And so some today dismiss these accounts of the supernatural as mere legend. They believe that the the stories of Jesus healing the sick and feeding thousands and walking on water were just exaggerations. But according to a study in 1963 by Dr. Sherman White of Oxford, it takes a minimum of two generations to transform a historical event into the stuff of legends. Both the witnesses, the eyewitnesses, and those who had heard their testimony have to die before the details become distorted and exaggerated into the things of legend. But the miracles of Jesus that are recorded for us in the Bible were recorded only a few years after they took place. Jesus was crucified and rose again around the year 30 A.D. 
Some of the epistles were written only 15 years later, around 45 A.D., and the Gospels only 30 years later, around 60 A.D. That means the eyewitnesses were still alive and there wasn't sufficient time for distortions and exaggerations on these stories. Now, if the words of the book are God's words, and if the early church under the direction of the apostles preserved them as scripture, then the books belong in the canon. In A.D. 367, in the 39th letter, Peshaw letter from Athanasius, it contained a list of these 27 books. And they were accepted by the Eastern Church. Thirty years later, at the Council of Carthage in 397, the Western churches also agreed on the same list. You know, there is a lot to dig into here for further study. For instance, do you know what the difference between the Eastern and Western churches is? You're listening to Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And our teacher is Pastor Leighton Sheely. We're sharing with you all this week a study he entitled Doctrines, actually a two-part sermon series, and we'll wrap it up tomorrow. I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining us. This is a nonprofit outreach. You can share your uh, financial support with us when you go to the website studyversebyverse.com. Have a great rest of your day and join us tomorrow when we'll open the Word of God once again and study verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.